0: Dude, the hottest team in the NBA was the Utah Jazz, man. Oh, really? And I want to say this. I want to make I sure know, everybody. Know. It's just not just that, but look at the wins they've had this year, and, and just in just in um, January. Yeah, they, they started out slow. Sixers, the Timberwolves. I mean, they beat uh, the Nuggets. They beat everybody. And if you're a top team right now, you got crushed already, man. You got crushed by the Jazz. And now the Oklahoma City Thunder make the Jazz look a little bit lost. Not completely, but a little bit.
1: There's a moment in that closing quarter down the stretch where it started to feel like we had learned a lot from the Lakers and from the Clippers and the big shot making that it took to to close out a game. Mm -hmm. And then we were giving it out to the Jazz. I mean, those Shea fadeaway elbow jumpers with the shot clock winding down. I mean... What, Great, what shots. Just pure money. Pure perfection, but th- to have the guts to to not nail that shot and to hold that pose as the ball's going through. It's just like I see we always say it, but we see Michael Jordan out there. A little mm-hmm. bit of Michael Jordan out there, man. Dude,
0: I I couldn't get over how many times how many times the Thunder players kept on throwing Shay the grenade. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying by the mm-hmm. grenade, right? Mm-hmm. Where like you have less than five seconds left on the shot clock and a player doesn't want to take the shot. So he throws it to somebody else. Like they kept on doing that to Shea and Shea just kept on stepping up. They did that to J-Dub a few times and Mm J-Dub stepped up as well, but like
1: it's,
0: it's a different aspect for a player to be past the ball when they're wide open shot, you know, but to be able to to pass the ball when he's guarded heavily and five seconds left and expect a, a player to get that shot off is, I mean, that's unheard of. And very few players that I've ever seen them be able to have that ability. And now we're looking at Shea and just the intensity that he brings to the game
1: is is insane. Like it's insane. Yo, know, Dub had, had a big game. What's up, buddy? Yo, but what I I really want to talk about, because you know, Dub was player of the game and all that stuff. But what I noticed was that Josh Giddy was the best player on the court in the first half. Like, the way that he rebounds the ball like, is crazy. Yeah, he dude. reminds me of a little bit of Dennis Rodman. A, a little <laughs> bit of um, Green, the Draymond Green. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, I yeah, He's a better shooter. He has more skills. He's a great passer. But the way that he rebounds the ball, like he starts tracking it. And he just goes and gets it. And he's definitely the best rebounder on our team. Um, but when he's the best rebounder on the court, and he's also the best passer on the court.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you kind of in the you're in the spot where like I don't you can't compare him to any individual player you've seen before in history. You can be like this element reminds me of him, and this like even the turnover he had he threw to Meechich, that was a Pistol Pete pass. Like he didn't look, he threw the bounce pass directly behind him, and it went out of bounds. But it was like I think that was probably his one turnover all game. In the end, for Josh, what he's doing out there is unbelievable. He makes our team so much harder to guard when you're talking about what are you gonna do about Chet? what are you gonna do about J-Dub? what are you gonna do about Shay? And then there's mm. Giddy who plays like that. yeah, this is this is Giddy's fucking game, and he's finally figured it out as far as just how to like live to the highest expectations he has for himself because in the end, mm. like that's really what where Josh kind of gets stuck sometimes is he knows how great he is. He knows what he should be doing out there. And that expectations and, and, and not living up to his own expectations can be really frustrating for him. So he involves himself on the offensive glass in, in a really hungry way. It reminds me a lot of like, um, like I know very little about this, Dave, but Australian rules football. Okay? like There are a. those, you got to go up and you got to get the ball. And you got to yep. like Mason Cox, like he's famous. He's it's the 50-50s, bro. The 50-50s. Josh yeah. owns the 50-50s. He, sure. finds, he tracks the ball. He gets to a point where only he can get up to get it. He gathers it with two hands. And before he lands, his head is up and he's looking down court. And what we get to see is spectacular plays like that dunk by, by J-Dub. But like, well, everything works.
0: You talked about right there. I'm just echoing what you're saying. Um, so Josh gets the ball. Gets the ball up right to half court, and what does he do? Picks up the ball, brings the ball above his head, makes it look like he's passing to one person, but passes to Chet, walking down the lane for a dunk. I just put a short up about it, bro. Like, Josh is making the game easy for everybody because nobody knows where he's going with the ball. Nobody sees where he's going with the ball, and he's picking the ball up at fucking half court. How do you fucking guard that? You can't guard that. Now, he's picked up the ball at half court at full speed, and he's going to pass the ball, and he's got three guys and three options to pass the ball. Josh is winning every time. Like there's not a player in the league that'll be able to stop that. Why? Well, he's 6'9 and 240 pounds, man. And he's learning how to play with the big guys, how to pass over them, how to get around them. So if that's how he's doing it, then guess what? A six foot three guy is not going to be able to stop him. Josh is just going <laughs> to Josh, Josh, Josh. Josh is just gonna, we're just gonna run over people, man. Like Josh is just gonna run you fucking over. You know what he's going to do? He's going to be patient until you're backpedaling and you're in the wrong step, and he's just going to run you over because then it's your fault. Why? Because Josh gets it. All these people that are out there saying, trade Josh, trade Josh, trade Josh. Like, no, you don't trade a player like Josh. Josh is a player that, in the long run, when you're sitting up there and you're counting how many banners that we're being able to um, hang up, whether Western Conference Finals banners, whether they're championship banners, whatever they are, and you're watching people. You know, numbers get retired in Oklahoma City. Josh is the player that you want to hold on to because Josh is going to be here for the longest. Josh is going to have a 20-year career, and it could be an all in Oklahoma City because the next generation, the style of ball that Josh plays isn't going to change. They're not going to be all of a sudden in, in five years, six years, seven years, all of a sudden be able to figure out how to stop Shea. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, they're, 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 they're drafting players to be able to stop players like
2: Shea because he's the new like, super baller of the NBA. No, it's not going to be like that. You, you, I mean, the
0: audacity that anybody thinks that we should trade Josh is crazy because Josh is the key to the future of the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's, he's the key to having a player that you can expect to put up insane numbers, Right? Open shots, everything, creating everything. One player on this team does it the best, and that's Josh, man. And you got to sit here and say, you know, yes, we're full of J-dubs, and we're full of guys like, you know, that can play ball, like Chet and Josh, and we have all these different players. But Josh is that one guy that he doesn't going to go out there, and he's not going to expect to take 25 shots in the game. You can sit there and say, Josh is happy with seven, eight, nine, nine shots, and that's
2: good. But he's going to create 30 to 40 points. Just think about that.
1: Yeah. Yo, and you mix in you know, what we saw from Dub, just absolute superstar performance. And down the stretch, what we saw from Chet, you know, clutch block shots, you know, go back hmm. beginning of the season. And we were just in shock because we had a player who could come up with clutch defensive plays. Now yeah. we're used to it. And it's only sure. been what? That was the halfway point in the season. Now 41 games in. Yeah. And we're already sitting here being like, yeah, I mean like that's what we expect from mm. Chet. You know, they got a break to the basket. They got Walker Kessler going to the hoop and Chet just stands him straight up. Like, yeah. And we're expecting him to do it without fouling because that's just what he does. So, yeah, like let's talk about it. We're halfway through the season. Like are is this what you expected from us or is this better than you expected or what do you think?
0: Um right. before I get into this, I I think I said um halfway through the season, I wanted to see this team like 6 games above 500. Hmm. All right. I'm sorry. I'm pulling up the record right now because I don't I don't I think we're All right. Um so we're um 15 games Above five hundred, I mean, fifteen games above five hundred. We're at twenty-eight and thirteen. We've won fifteen more games than we've lost. And so, as far as that goes, no. i I. If you told me that we would be close to thirty wins through the first forty games of the season, forty-one games of the season, I'd be like, <laughs> fuck yeah, like fuck ass, yes, right? But no, I, I couldn't sit there and predict what the our win total is going to be like this close to thirty with forty-one games played. Like, no, come on, man, like. Like I, I said, the game. This team was probably going to win fifty games. So halfway through the season, I thought this team would probably get like twenty five wins. So the fact that we're three wins above that, like that's come on, man. That's plus in six the in the course of a year, bro. That's is uh, reachable. Fifty six right now. Like, mm-hmm. how many people? Like, seriously, guys. I, I want everybody to think about this. How many people in Oklahoma City Thunder media were saying Oklahoma City was going to win fifty plus games? You know, I, I want to give a huge shout out, and and I do mean this in adult do, do with all due respect to everybody else in Oklahoma City, but there was one person, one person that said Oklahoma City
2: was going to win fifty eight games. Everybody else said you were crazy, bro. I didn't even think it was possible, but you're the one that said fifty eight games was plausible.
0: And now we're sitting here, and we're sitting at twenty eight wins, halfway through the season, and we're sitting there saying. 58 is not only plausible, it, it, it could happen because we have two bad losses in January. You take away those two bad losses and just split it just one-on-one. On one.
1: Yeah. Take away that that call, that no call, that goaltending they should have called on Draymond at the beginning of the season. There's a few of them. I know. I think we might be the last team in the league <laughs> to get to 20 wins. What's up, Mark? I'm sorry, to get to 20 losses. I really seriously think we could be in a position where the Celtics hit 20 losses before we do. Because when I think about, and this maybe we should adjust, right? But when I think back about the 82 game season and, and embarking on it at the beginning, I, I thought we could hit 58. Like you're saying 60 wins is what I kept saying. I kept saying 60 based on the fact that the second half would be actually much mm. better than the first half. Mm. I do think it's still going to be that way. What do, you, do you think the second half could outperform the first half for us?
0: I, I'll be honest. I, 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 this team's not done peaking. I mean, look at what J-Dub's doing right yeah. now. Like if you're, if And, and Josh Giddey is doing right now. So you're taking Josh Giddey, um, J-Dub, and Shea, right? Mm-hmm. Chet's playing phenomenal, but it's not the consistency that you need to see. Like out of, right. out, of, out of 10 games, he's going to play really well for six of them. And that's amazing. Like to me, that's way better than most of those rookies out there. And then that's, that's not a diss on this is what I expect out of rookies. Every rookie, I expect them to be able to have, you know, that's coming through the thunder you know, six out of 10 games that are good games. And that's where we're at with Chet. Now, Chet's going to get there to so that 10 games. But once he gets there to those 10 consistent games, and then you start seeing Mischitz with those 10 consistent games, and you start seeing Isaiah Joe, which has had, you know, consistency issues when it comes down to um, consistently hitting threes in, in games. All the stuff that that we're missing right now, I feel like it's all doable. Like we've seen it happen throughout the season. So when everything starts clicking, yeah, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time before it's all working. Moani, what's up, Tanner? What's up, guys? Hell yes. What's up,
1: everybody? Chat is popping today, guys. Dave, this has been incredible. I mean, this last stretch has been, I'd say, the most difficult we've had this season. It's not over yet. If you Mm -hmm. look at what we have coming up, we're talking about the best team in the West next game. We also have more games in January against elite teams. So we're right in the middle of the thick of things. I yeah. mean, you think we're going to lose a couple of games in a row again, or you think we'll be all right with that?
0: No, I think it's, it's ups and downs throughout the season. I think if you, if you look at, you know, January, the biggest thing that when you have a couple losses in a row is the next game. Yeah. Like it, it, they're inevitable. Like we've gone through how many um, double headers so far. Um, I think it's three or four. So yeah. Three far this, this
1: month, I think so far. Yeah.
0: So we still got a couple more, but, That's what we've had the issues with guys. I mean, look at the Hawks game. Like this is the issue we've had like after double headers or during double headers. If, if one thing is off, we don't get a chance to get in that, that practice. And I, I, that's what's the biggest difference I think with this Oklahoma city thunder team is whenever, you know, shits hit the fan, we get back into the practice facility and we get back to the basics and coach is so incredible at doing that is getting these guys refocused. So that's what I go back to. And that's what I get excited about is when these guys are really putting their hats on and figuring it out. And after that, man, like seriously, like it's just a matter of time before people put the you know, pieces together and, and they plug in the light, the lamp. And it's just like, bam, like the consistency. Once we get that. And that's the second half. I mean, guys think about Josh Giddy rookie year. Think about J dubs rookie year. Think about, um, you know, uh Shay, his, um, the year before he came out for the, um, all NBA team, you know, like, Like like all the second halves, guys, like every single one of these guys, you look at the second half, it's like, Mm -hmm. bam, these are so so much better players. And when does that happen? That happens around February. Yeah. So if we're seeing J-Dub step up the way he is and is right now, and he continuously gets better, I'm telling you guys, and I know he can get better, but you're looking at Shea and J-Dub as the one-two punch in Oklahoma City, and then you're looking at Chet getting there, you know, you're looking at Josh Giddy getting there. Like, uh, this is going to back to the exact thing that everybody's saying about Oklahoma City is that there's no more waiting for this team to be in contention. This team is in contention. Just people don't realize it. Nobody's willing to look at it and say a small market team was able to rebuild this quickly. Everybody thought that this team was still, still. In the teardown stage. Still in the draft-minded stage. Man, I was talking to El Sombro today, man. You know what El Sombro and I were talking about? We still have three legit chances to be in the lottery this year.
2: Let me explain that
0: to you, right?
2: Yeah.
0: We have the Clippers swap, right? Which, let's just be honest, the Clippers are one player away from being in trouble, all right? And they're expecting a lot out of Kwai that he hasn't had to do in a long time. They're one injury away from being in serious fucking trouble, all right?
2: And that right there could be a
1: 12th. A lot of Yeah, maybe. 13th pick, right? Okay. All right.
0: Now, then you look at the Jazz pick. They're at 500, right? And you say, what what, what ways, you know, the Jazz, are they trying to get that? Okay. Let's just say the Jazz pick turns into 13, 12. What is it? Top
1: 10 protected, I think. Something like that.
0: Yep. Top 10 protected. And then you have the Houston Rockets, which is, again, right in that um, frame right there, right? And you sitting there with three mid-round draft picks in one of the most elite mid-round drafts I've seen in a long time. Like the top of the draft is kind of funky. I wouldn't be wanting to be in the top of the draft this next year. No, But that mid-round is where the meat's at, bro. That's where the players are going to be at. That's where a Kawhi, that's where Giannis is going to be sitting in, in this draft. And to me, if I'm Sam Presti, I already know who I'm going to go with in this manner, and I'm sitting there saying, how do I get to that player? I guarantee that player gets to be on my team. Well, guess how you do that, guys. There's one way of doing it by having three draft picks. <laughs> Sam gets to move up in the draft, and if he doesn't use the picks for anything else, and he just uses those picks to move up in the draft, he gets who he wants, guys. And that is way more valuable, as we're finding out with J Dub, as we're finding out with Case and Wallace. You know, like these are the guys that that round out this team now. So for me, I'm saying keep those draft picks. Trade those draft picks because we get three of the Ford picks right there. Trade those draft picks. Get the guy that you want and keep the consistency of building this team because when it's all said and done and Shea leaves, Shea gets old, becomes an old man, right? Shea heads out. We need to have guys backed up every single year. You see what I'm saying? We have yeah. guys backed up every year. The amount that we lose is small. So small. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we're prepared for the, the change. And that's what's so important about what we saw in this last rebuild that we saw in Oklahoma City, was we were prepared for the change, but this next time, when it comes to rebuild, people won't even be able to say rebuild. It'll just be like change of guard. You know, like Shay's Oklahoma City Thunder Team won this many championships. Chet's Oklahoma City Thunder Team won this many chips. Or, you know, Chet's and J-Dubs cha- um, won this many chips. This player won this many chips, you know, like, because it's the, it's the gradual, this is, it's, it's linear. It's not like, Hey, we're going to trade over our draft picks to get a a good player for this time. It's, it's seven, eight years, nine years down the road that we have all these picks. And guess what guys, every year we have 10% of the picks almost. Think about that guys. (laughs) Like, let that soak in. We've got 10%. So what are we going to do with these picks? We get to set the price. Well, everybody else is sitting there strumming their thumbs and saying, we're setting the price to what the draft picks are worth now. So we want to, you know, bridges, miles, bridges. Cool, 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 cool. Well, let's wait until it's worth one draft pick. And we get to pick what draft pick we send them. Because guess what? Everybody else doesn't have any picks to draft or throw out there. We're the ones with the picks. And we get to decide what to do. You're wanting to rebuild your team and you need more draft picks to do so, but you have a number five in this year's draft and you're saying, I need more players. And you're like, who could trade with me? And Oklahoma City is sitting there with number 12, number 11, and number 13. And people are like, oh, yeah, see, that's what I need. I need depth in my team. So I'm willing to trade this number five for the depth.
1: And it's going to happen. How do you feel that, like with, like you said, owning this many picks, Like, do you think that Presti going to approach like you're kind of implying at the beginning a singular player or is he going to try to get a few players who all have a good chance?
0: Every draft is different. Every draft is different. There's going to be drafts where we're going to lose out on players coming up. Like I I look at um, still my favorite player, um, Keontae Johnson, bro, on the the, G League. He's fucking killing it, bro. I mean, he is murdering the fucking G League. Like and, and like, nobody can stop him. So you're looking at this progression and you're saying, okay, you're, you're looking at a first-round pick and you're saying, this player wants to come play for us, right? Cool, 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 cool. Come play for us. But I'm sorry. You got to k- take the Keontae Johnson route. Keontae Johnson played one year, year and a half in the G League. Then he came out and played up in the, you know? Yeah. Because it's the same system. Once a player has success down there and understands what he's doing, then he has success up there because a player comes out and they're saying, Hey, Dort's going to be, you know, um, $30 million a year this next year for this mm-hmm. next contract. Well, we don't, we don't have that because we want to keep the core together. So we go to that G League that we're going to have first round draft picks dominating and we're going to be pulling them back up there for these things. We get a player injured. Like, why are we sending these players? To go out there and expect these first year players to have an impressive year as a rookie. Like, you know, I mean, by all means, we're going to get players like J Dub. We're going to get players like Case and Wallace that are ready, right? But even in the future, if we pick up a player like Case and Wallace, I don't see a player like Case and Wallace breaking through the top 10 in the future. You're going to have to play in the, um, in the G League. You're going to have to play a year down there. You're going to have to be able to take that and utilize that. You're going to look at four years, right? You're going to look at the old school college basketball, all right? Everybody knows, if you know things about college basketball, old school basketball, Bill Walton, Bill Russell, those guys had to burn their freshman year. You got to go play freshman ball. Freshman ball. And that's what needs to happen with this, bro, because it's important that the the transition happens.
1: So would players save their rookie year if they didn't jump into the NBA action? I guess they would. Um, A little bit more like what you're saying back when very beginning of us starting this podcast, you were talking about the St. Louis Cardinals and Branch Rickey, the guy who launched really the modern minor league system, and you were comparing what Sam Presti is going to do. That is like three years ago now. So watching it work for a player like Usman Jang, who we didn't know his name at that point, but Mm. he's come in. And, you know, he didn't play last night, but he played both games in L.A. I was really impressed with the minutes he put up and also just how the team you know works people in. Um, Jay Will, um, he fell out of the rotation. He was back in the rotation for the Jazz. This is a matchup thing. And this is a depth thing. Coach will go 10 deep, 12 deep. But he also has two or three guys who he trusts that he's not going to.
0: Lindy Waters, perfect example. Got him. Two shots in three minutes. Didn't play again.
2: Yeah. And
0: it's not but, a diss on Lindy Waters because even if he hit the shots, he probably only plays six minutes.
1: Yeah. But it's there's opportunities. Um, one of the guys that continues to to impress is Wiggins. What Wiggins does with his <laughs> minutes is always impressive. And so amazing. Uh, big minutes in LA. Came back and played a few more minutes this last game. But so great. How, I mean, how does this all play out in the playoffs? Because honestly, I've never seen rotations like this. So it's well, new to me.
0: All right. It, it, it all works together because we're, we're trying to save these guys. We're trying to save their legs because when we get to the playoffs, I'm sorry. Like, if you think that we're going 12 deep in every single playoff game, then you're just mistaken. Like, those are going to be designed playoff games where we're going 10, 12 deep. The rest of it, man, we get two, three days off in a row. Mm -hmm. almost every single game so there's no like you know what i'm saying like you you just go you're like 38 minutes for Shea, 40 minutes for Shea. like that's when you spend the minutes on those like those guys get those minutes then you put away games and you're like okay like last night J Dub getting 37 minutes i was like what the fuck bro seems like so many minutes right why does it seem so like minutes so many minutes because these guys don't go about 34 very often why? Because when you get to the playoff moment, now you have rested legs. Like, think about Kawhi. Think about these other guys that are being run at 38, 39, 40 minutes a game, and they're not getting the rest that they need to. You know, like LeBron James still being run out there. AD still being run out there a lot. You know, Golden State Warriors still running their guys hard. You know, they get to the playoffs, and they, that's they've already spent all their energy. They've already, like, used everything up. You know, that's why this Oklahoma City Thunder is going to be unique that way. How did the Lakers win? Well, it's because the pandemic, man. They brought everybody into one place. They took care of the health. They took care of everything. They were able to control it all. Ever since then, they can't win. They can't even win in a playoff series, well, sort of. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's because of that, man. Like, you can control the narrative in there.
1: You know, our defense is really the star of what's been going on recently. Um, but beautiful. What do you think about J Dub as far as where does his peak come in? Where do you feel like, like, is this what we saw last night? Is that what his peak is, but it's just more consistency. Or do you think he has a, another level?
2: Every great needs a Scottie Pippen, bro. Every great needs a, um, John Stockton. You know, like every great needs a shack. So you look at J-Dub and
0: you start thinking about what the possibilities are with him. And you're seeing him play in this way and you're
2: like, you know what? Like 30 points a game, bro. Hmm. And you start thinking about it and you start
0: realizing it like the moment that J Dub shines the most is when does every game, guys? This is not hard.
1: Beginning the of the fourth quarter. Yeah.
0: There you go. See, Mark and I are right there. Why? Because Shea comes out of the game. The game is designed around Chet and J Dub. And it's incredibly efficient. It's incredible. Like he has this confidence, a swagger in that, that time period. And he puts up eight, nine, 10, 12, 14 points. It doesn't matter. He just keeps on balling. So when you're looking at J-Dub and you're understanding what J-Dub's future is on this team, it's it's more about what his future is like in the NBA. You know, like, um, I think for a long time, I would say um, I like um, Jalen Brown, right? Mm-hmm. But the more I watch Jalen Brown's game, even now,
2: I just feel that Jalen Brown is a poor man, Jalen Williams, bro. Mm-hmm.
0: And Jalen Williams' game is something that people are not going to be able to understand for for a while. And when they're able to understand, they're going to be looking at it and be like, wow. I mean, JJ talks about um, J-Dub. He loves J-Dub. He loves his personality. He loves his swagger. He loves the way he dresses. He loves his shot. He loves the way he gets to the fucking hole. In fact, there's nothing he doesn't love about J-Dub's game. And I'm not saying JJ, like, he's one of the greats. Because JJ, JJ is not one of the greats. But he is one of the greats as far as podcasting. That's an NBA that. X. Yeah, at, that. That's an NBA X player. So for me, I look at, at that and the way that he explains the game, guys. And if you really want an understanding of what he believes about J-Dub, just listen. Because he's talked about him a lot. And go back and, and you guys can look it up on YouTube. JJ Redick and J-Dub.
2: Yeah, like, it's great
0: He will talk about it, guys. I'm telling you, he has this vibe, feel and vibe about J. Dub is that he could be the best player in the NBA. And it's like, damn. And then you watch him play and dominate like he's been doing recently, and you recognize that he's barely sweating out there sometimes. Like some of the stuff is even hard for him. Like the other night, we were playing against the Clippers, and I I put up a short about um, J. Dub getting to the hole and making it look easy. And then I, I watched it in slow motion. You know what was so funny about it? He made it look easy against the claw. Let this settle in, guys. Like, the whole short, he is running right past the claw. And in, in fact, he almost made him fall down. If you watch the beginning of the clip and zoom into the footwork of the claw, boom, you could tell, like, he almost made him fall on his ass. And you start thinking about that. Like, how many defenders are in the league that are Kawhi's
2: level? His size. That could dominate on the defensive end like that. There's not many. Maybe three. And you think about that. And he makes certain people look stupid out there. How good is he going to be?
0: We're
1: all on just for the ride, bro. That's all I got to say. You know, before we get out of here, I want to ask you one more thing, because you mentioned it with J-Dub and Chet, like the fourth quarter is really set up for them. Right now, our weakness is the end of the third quarter. We don't have Chet and J-Dub out there usually, and it's Shea and, you know, all bench players surrounding him. Um, why is it that that's such a weak point for us right now? Is it because J-Dub and Chet aren't out there? Or yeah, is it because Shea is just tired at that point? It's the spread out, bro. Okay.
0: Um, if you look, if you watch the game, so when when J Dub and Chet aren't out there, then you've got Isaiah Joe out there, and they're spreading the floor. Um, you, um, um Jalen Williams, J Will, you might see out there. Um, Mischitz, we love to see Mischich out there, and Josh Giddey, right? So that's kind of the group you'll see out there. So, um, as far as why we see that quarter like that it's it's a lot of it has to do with like when we saw um last couple of years where shea was you know coming out of the game in that fourth quarter beginning of the fourth quarter and we would be up by 15 points and then we would be down by five when Shea came back in the game um a lot of it's like that it's reversed because when you have guys like Dub and chet that are so much better than everybody else Right. And you always mm-hmm. have to account for them. And it's spreading the, the court out for um, Shea. Then also you take those guys away. What do What does these teams do? They collapse on Shea, they double on Shea, they they triple on Shea. Shea is phenomenal at passing out. Right. But when you do that, it you guys have to hit shots. And they just haven't consistently been hitting the shots in that the that that midway through the third quarter to the end of the third quarter. And then you're looking at the scoreboards of these third quarters and you're seeing these teams are putting up 30 something points and you're seeing them put up a lot of those points in that time period. And again, it goes back to teams are getting to the, to the lane when Chet's out, you know, they're doing all these other things when J dubs got not there. So it's, 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 yeah, man, like those two guys are so much better than everybody else that it it, it sucks the air out of the room when they're out of the game, just like it sucks, J, um you know, Shays out of the game. But when Shay's out of the game, what happens to the, the, the other team? They take their best player out of the game as well. Their most consistent score to get them a break. Kind of equal it out, you know? So they have a hard time scoring where we have Chet and J-Dub putting up some serious points in that fourth quarter every single time. Yeah. Because even if we have, what, th- those guys out there for six minutes together before, you know, Chet comes in or, or Shea comes in or five minutes together,
2: these guys are putting up crazy points, man. 10, 12, 14, 16 points. All right, guys, we appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Hell yeah.